Hi everybody, welcome back to Remixed, uh, by its number one music podcast, and also its only one. I'm your host, Jack Gillespie, and have a wonderful guest with me. Would they like to introduce themselves? My name is Brandon Carson. I'm a junior here at Ball State, and I like to write music reviews for Byte. Alright, dope. So, what have you been listening to for like the past week or so? So, I... The number one song I've been obsessed with is uh, Me and You Together song by the 1975. Music video just came out for that too, and it's amazing. Um, I don't know. I just love the sound of it. It's very shoegazy, um, but also like really sweet and 1975 at the same time. So that's been really good. Um, the Haley Williams EP, I've been jamming to that. The only song I don't like on it is Creepin', though. That song's kind of weird. Creepin'. Yeah. <laughs> But there's a lot of Radiohead influences in there, which I really picked up on, and Bjork, especially on the last song. I can't remember what it's called, but yeah. I actually haven't gone to the Haley Williams one, but I need to. Some of my friends are just like obsessed with Paramore and Haley, so I definitely need to check that out like immediately. Yeah. But I did give that listen to that um, 1975 track when it first came out, and I thought it was pretty decent. I think that um, I yeah, I found it to have like a really nice mix of like 90s like alt rock sort of influences with it but with like a little of like a sunshiny twist to it mm-hmm. i think i still prefer the two other singles they've released for the upcoming album especially people i think that oh, people's awesome it is a rager yeah. i have a lot of good memories with that song even though it just came out like last year but yeah um i think 1975 of their past few eras i think they've really proved that they're really good like chameleons of music mm-hmm. because like the first single, so for example, the first single of this era is like a hardcore, like post-hardcore sort of like jump the F up sort of yeah. song. The second one, it goes more in like an art poppy sort of low-key electronic direction. And then this one's just like a whole different vibe with just like a sunny sort of acoustic alternative rock sort of jam. And I just find it so fascinating how they are able to just really capture almost every musical style they want to. Yeah. I fear sometimes that they don't really have, like, a central sort of um, sound of their own. They just like to hop around, but, like, they do what they do well. Yeah. <laughs> I think on, like, their albums, they've been good with, like, having a, like, within the context of the album, they have a central sound for that album. I've noticed they've had that, so, but I don't know what they're going to do with this one, because if these are the singles for the next album, then I have no idea what this next album is going to sound like. Yeah, I guess that is true. Like, their past record, I feel like a lot of their inspirations were pulled from the 80s, so mm-hmm. maybe this next one they're just doing, like, from the 90s. Because, like, a lot of this could be, like, connected to, like, some Britpop or, like, some Radiohead for that second single that felt sort of, like, Kid A era Gosh, inspired. Yeah. And even, like, sort of like, the aesthetics of it, it sort of reminds you, like, what Radiohead would sort of do for designing that kind of stuff. Super yeah. minimalist. Um, but, yeah... I would be down for them to just do, like, a greatest, like, hits, but, like, of, like, sounds of the 90s. That would be fun to see. Yeah, that'd be cool. I don't know how well they do hardcore hip-hop, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, for me personally, I've been listening to a lot of the recent Dua Lipa singles, especially Physical. I feel like she's giving all the other artists who are trying to do the 80s pop sound the run for their money. Like, Physical, I feel like it captures 
like the over the topness of so many big synth pop singles from like the 80s that a lot of people remember like um holding out for a hero that one like is especially just like insanely like high energy and just like it's like the fate of the world is within that song and i get a similar vibe from physical especially with just like the bridges like dua lipa isn't really known to be like an amazing vocalist like she can she can do it but like i found that in that bridge one she used her voice really well to just sort of like evoke that sort of mood in the track yeah but yeah i am super excited for her album to finally come out it actually has the release date now i believe it's i don't think it's april 4th but like sometime in april but yeah whenever that is you know where i'll be at midnight (laughs) um but in addition to that i've been listening to a lot of well i usually listen to a lot of charlie xcx nonstop. but other than that um the new dan deacon record i really enjoy that one um he's known to just like make a bunch of like psychedelic but also really electronic music and i've always found there's a lot of potential in what he does but i feel like this album right here um is called mystic familiar it's one of the first times in a while that he's really met his potential and i think it's just like a really consistent record and probably one of the more um accessible ones in his catalog because a thing that he'll do a lot in his tracks is like he'll chipmunk his voice into like a super high and definitely like a polarizing sort of sense Mm -hmm. but this one he really doesn't do that so much on this record it's more stripped back i don't know if i'd call this album stripped back it's like more safe yeah more accessible but it's definitely a musical experience um of a record that I definitely recommend as, like, the first step into any, like, Dan Deacon. That or the album Bromst, which came out, like, I'd say, like, a decade ago now. Like, wow. 2009, 2007, that era. Um, that's his previous most, like, critically acclaimed album, so that one I'd also recommend getting into. His other stuff can get pretty wacky, so I may go with caution with his other stuff. <laughs> but, Pace yeah. Yourself. Yeah. Um, let's get into some news. So first, how about we talk about some band drama, though not the kind of drama you'd expect to come in 2020. We got Beach Boys drama. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, so currently the Beach Boys are actually being toured, led by Mike Love, one of the um, original members of the group. Um, but um, he has a We'll get into his complicated history with the Beach Boys later on. But he um, is taking one of the shows with the Beach Boys to the Safari Club International Convention in Reno, an organization that's often protested by animal rights activists and is infamous for its history of trophy hunting and the such and just unethical treatment of animals in general. And Brian Wilson, the usually believed to be like the main head of the beach boys for its best material was not a fan of that um he came onto twitter to uh, he shared a petition um for people to boycott this um performance at the safari club international convention he posted on twitter um quote it has been brought to my attention on wednesday february 5th which i guess has happened but (laughs) um the beach boys touring group licensed by mike love are headlining at this safari club international convention in reno nevada this organization supports trophy hunting with both al al jardin also a member of the beach boys and i are emphatically opposed to there's nothing we can do personally to stop the show so please join us in signing the petition at change.org and it was a petition link to just boycott the event now 
Love, um, Mike Love did make a response. He said that we look forward to a night of great music in Reno and, as always, support freedom of thought and expression as a fundamental tenet of our rights as Americans. Now, this kind of talk I have seen in certain other sectors, though this might tip it off, that Mike Love is known to be a Trump supporter and has met with the president many times, Will Trump Jr., who actually also connected, is the keynote speaker this year for the Safari Club. So connections like that. So like he talked before the Beach Boys performed? I don't think it's he I don't think he would talk before it, but I believe that there is an event like in the future where Donald Trump Jr. will be talking at okay. the convention. Connections. Ooh, yes. Connections. So this is a rather interesting um play of events. Um for a while Brian Wilson really hasn't been connected with the Beach Boys as much. Um he's off doing his own thing. Um but this is like one of the first times where I've seen it I wouldn't say antagonistic, but like butting heads a bit, like yeah. with his original group. Um what do you think of the situation? I think it's interesting but also i'm glad that wilson did come out against that yeah i mean it's good that he spoke out if that's how he feels and it's i bet it, i mean you said they kind of had a long history right because i'm like mike love has he caused a lot of trouble uh like, like i just like different personalities and they just don't see eye to eye is that a little of? bit of both i guess um this is a slight segment called the history of the beach boys we'll try and keep it short <laughs> but um, Brian Wilson has always been seen as sort of like the main brain for like a lot of the Beach Boys' best work, like their album Pet Sounds, and like their most like I'd say people consider like artistic, most critically acclaimed stuff. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Mike Love, um, uh, throughout the history of the group, he always um, preferred keeping it sort of like to like their surf rock, their very oh, okay. accessible sort of stuff. So there's a lot of butting heads with that. Yeah, and then um, Brian Wilson does have a history of like mental health issues like throughout his career and uh, with that and mike love he would often keep pressuring um wilson to like keep going on tour he did um people do say that mike love did have a hand in brian wilson's sort of mental degradation like in the later years of the beach boys and his eventual departure from the group and then once wilson departed mike love started having a big hand in some of the worst Beach Boys albums uh-huh. of, like, the 80s and the 90s. There is actually one album that is sort of infamous, Summer in Paradise, where they had one person from Full House feature on a track. And I th- I think I think even more than a track, but still. No they way. covered, like, one of, like, Brian's most loved, like, ballads, both Mike Love and John Stamos. Remember the name? Yeah, it had to be John Stamos. So yeah, they collabed on like one of like the classic Beach Boys tracks and absolutely ruined it. <laughs> it is just I've given that album a listen. I wouldn't recommend it, but it is some of the most soulless, um, cash grabby, gutlessly commercial rock uh, quotes, rock music I've ever heard, rock and pop music I've ever heard. It is. Honestly, the only way I would recommend it is sort of like The Room, where it has to be heard to be believed. But yeah, um, mm. the two definitely had different ideas of where they wanted to take the group, and it has been shown throughout the decades how each of that played out. Yeah, so I guess they just, they're butting heads on political ideals, and I guess now, I mean... Yeah, though Brian Wilson really has never been too 
outwardly political he's always sort of not gotten into that stuff there has been like some songs in the past that like have talked about like social issues but like Mm -hmm. nothing like he isn't like a james baldwin or whatever (laughs) he's not like super political that's a weird person compared to brian wilson (laughs) but yeah meanwhile mike love has had a history of like yo trump's always been nice to us he's been cool Mm. i like him but you can believe that what you will. But to avoid further going into that, how about a bit more of a humorous one, or at least humorous to me and us, I suppose. It's pretty funny. <laughs> so a Christian activist named Dave Dobinieri, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, though I'm not 100% sorry. So anyway, he is claiming he wants to sue the NFL for... A grand total of $867 trillion due to the fact that he believes the halftime show featuring Shakira and Jennifer Lopez will put his soul in, quote, danger of hellfire. Now, he went into a lot of this into this podcast that he hosts and in the article that we found um, from news.com.au, an Australian um, news organization, um, they're a quite interesting group of quotes that I would personally enjoy just listening down. So uh, he says, quote, I think we ought to sue on his podcast. Would that have been rated PG? Were there many warnings that your 12-year-old son, whose hormones are just starting to operate, was there any warning that what he was going to see might cause him to get sexually excited? Could I go into a courtroom and say, viewing what you put on that screen put me in danger of hellfire? You didn't tell me I was going to watch it. You just brought it into my living room. And then he said that the <laughs> the performance was discriminatory towards Christians. You didn't tell me there was going to be crotch shots. That's discriminatory against the value I have in my house. You can't just do that. I want to sue them for $867 trillion. And a great one to top it all off. Quote from Mr. Dave. I didn't tune in to see JLo's crotch. I've got one more quote oh my from, a, from a different article. Do you have a personal favorite? <laughs> I do. Um, so he, not only did he just like attack the, um, or comment comment on the uh, performance itself, but also J-Lo. He said, J-Lo is 50. You go on a porn website, you're not looking for 50-year-old women. Okay. How do you... <laughs> one, don't judge people. Two, that... Dave, get your head out of the gutter. Maybe we should sue you for $867 trillion for having to listen to you talk about this. I feel like there are worse things to to sue companies over. and Yeah, a, a little bit worse. But yeah, apparently he is in the process of finding a lawyer. Good luck with that. And he intends to file a class action lawsuit against the NFL, Pepsi, and his local cable company for, quote, pandering pornography to minors. Now... I'd say this story is funny, tall-tailed, probably not going to result in anything after this. He's probably just going to, like, that's going to be his one 15 minutes of fame and then, like, whatever. But it does sort of connect to a history of, like, Christian panic over sexually explicit music and performances and just overall ungodly material. Yeah. It is sort of like the um, origin of the explicit sort of sticker on top of CDs. Do you know the story of how that was? The whole, like, big lawsuit thing with, um, wasn't there this whole big court? I think... Uh, Twisted Sister Singer was there, and... I think that definitely did happen. Sort of like, there was a whole era in, like, the 80s or whatever, where, like, 
heavy metal and like hard rock was getting like big and then like all the christian people were just like oh no it's selling people the souls to the devil Play and like the record in reverse you'll hear a devilish tone <laughs> but yeah and even like it but however sort of like the what people consider like the origin of like the explicit sticker was actually when um i think it was like a higher up in sort of the okay so yeah um uh, the story is that an american social issues advocate named um tipper gore who co-founded the parents music resource center um they got tipped off to a prince song darling nikki the one about masturbating in a magazine Ooh, um they found their daughter listening to that in the house and then she was like oh no this cannot be played i cannot have my child listening to this pornography magazines so yeah that's often sort of thought to be the source of the explicit sticker of sort of like sexual like oh no panic uh yeah (laughs) i know that um the like the whole christian panic thing it also goes i mean you were talking about heavy metal in the 80s but i mean there's still um christian groups that will attack like i know slipknot's one of them i went the first slipknot concert i went to was in like 2014 it was in fort wayne indiana and as we walk in there's people picketing the place christians against slipknot <laughs> and they were all telling us we were going to go to hell for going to a concert oh yeah it's definitely still happening like yeah. i remember just like the other day so um lil nas x for a song radio came out rodeo not radio <laughs> um and this wasn't connected to like any major organization but this like christian dude was claiming how like oh no lil nas x sold his soul to the devil because in the music video he's like a vampire he has like red eyes prosthetics and like i think lil nas x responded on tour just like i'm just trying to be a vampire man <laughs> We love Lil Nas X in this household. But yeah, it's still happening. And also the West West Doro Baptist Church, um, a while ago they protested uh, Kim Petras, a transgender pop star who puts out some pretty good stuff, if I do say so myself. But anyway, they protested her um, concert. And what's funny is that it came out a video. She was just like standing right in front of all the protesters, just like having a photo. She was so many people taking pictures. She was just like posing nonchalantly in front of everybody else while they were just like yelling, you need to go and other homophobic things. We don't need to repeat because it does not need to belong on this program. And even I remember when um, David Bowie's Black Star, the single, when it first came out, I just saw so many videos on YouTube about people trying to, like, call him, like, a Satanist. And, like, one, that was sort of the point he's trying to go for a cult thing. Two, why would... (laughs) It honestly, it could just be, like, to get, like, clicks and bait. Like, oh, Satan. That's often to get good, like, clickbait sort of stuff. But Mm. it's sort of lame to just, like, try and, like, do that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah that's uh that was the fun story good luck to that guy on getting his trillions of dollars if he gets it can i please have some so anyway we're gonna go on to some releases um singles and albums and the first one we could talk about is one that is actually relevant to our guest the green day album father of all mother effers <laughs> it is their 13th album and our own Brandon is reviewing it. Have yes. you given it a listen yet? I have. I listened to it this morning. Can we get a sneak peek of what your thoughts are? Well, okay. So when the first song came out, I think it was Father of All was the first song. It's just your basic Green Day. Like, just nothing really sticks out about that. And they released two more singles after that, and that, those didn't wow me either. The whole album just feels like they're still 
they're having fun and you can hear it, which is really good because I think Green Day's a pretty fun band. Um, oh, yeah. And they're at their best when they're like having fun too and being um, vocal about things. But that's that's what surprised me too because this album's not very political and they usually get down and dirty with that kind of stuff. But kind of straight away from it with this one. And um, I don't know, just the main sneak peek, I guess, is that it just, it's like bland radio rock, pretty much kind of disappointing, but you can still have fun with it. Yeah, I honestly gave a couple of the singles a listen, and I can't say that I'd be interested in giving it a listen. Yeah. Though I did see it's only like 27 minutes long. That was the other thing. It's so short. They could have, I don't know. And they released an album like two years ago or three years ago, was it? Wasn't it like Revolution, Revolution Radio? Radio? Didn't that which, come out like 2016 or like 2017? Somewhere around there. That wasn't that good either. <laughs> <laughs> and then before that was like the whole Uno Dos Trace thing, which... Uh, if they... My thing with that, if they just like took three songs from each album, four songs from each of those albums, put it all on a record, it'd be great. It, no, but they had to make a triple album. It makes no sense. So yeah, so unfortunately Green Day hasn't really redeemed themselves quite yet. Yeah, nope. But so yeah, that came out. So if you're a Green Day fan, uh, check that out if you want to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also a record that came out that I've actually been listening to a lot since it came out is HMLTD, West of Eden. It's the debut record from like an art punk group based out of London. And they've been releasing singles from this album for like, the first one came in, like, 2017, so it's been, like, three years. Really? And I have heard rumors that there have been, like, label issues and just, like, issues with, like, the release, um, which I can sort of see because in the album, like, I feel like they tackle, like, a lot of different genres and, like, styles, and while I love a record, like, a group that will do that, at some points it does sound like three separate records were taken just like mushed together yeah but it's also a concept record like has sort of like a concept going through it, it it's it's an odd record and on I, I do generally enjoy it i think like there's a lot of interesting ideas and like exciting stuff and the concept is honestly pretty interesting when i'm able to follow along with it mm-hmm. it gets a bit muddled but i wouldn't really call it a consistent record stylistically or i guess quality wise i don't know there, there are a few duds but so far i would still give it like a really good like i'd give it a high high praise not super high praise but like it's good yeah give it a check if you want to find something weird british and has like a lot of influences from like um like post-punk new wave that sort of thing but also like a very much a modern day sort of twist because they do include elements of like trap and like like super like electronic music into it yeah they definitely are quite the head scratchers in a good way yeah so uh, some other ones we're gonna go a little bit faster we got against all logic it's the second album from uh, electronic music producer nicholas jar under his moniker the first one this is sort of like a more of like a house oriented house music oriented so project good. and the first album was definitely really good i saw a lot of people who even don't really listen much house get into it and like love the heck out of that it that was me like i had some hey. kind of game i love that song uh, I, I remember there's one song that it has such a peppy sort of sample. It's super good with sampling all throughout, just like super amazing production. I haven't given the second one a listen yet, but yeah, I've heard that it's a bit more like 
goes into more like industrial, like Ooh. techno sort of things. So that'll be interesting to hear. Okay. Um, LaRue, a synth pop and dance pop artist. Third album out now called Supervision is their first in six years. So give that a look out. Um, Denzel Curry and Kenny Beats, they collabed for a short little record called Unlocked. Um, it also came with a accompanying video on Denzel's YouTube channel. It's sort of more a video you'd find on Kenny Beats sort of channel where he does like these like if y'all haven't seen it like he brings on these rappers and like he makes a beat on the spot and then like they sort of freestyle to that beat it's a super fun channel super fun series the zach fox one is one to that will go down in history (laughs) (laughs) but yeah they just have like it's like a 17 minute album so and also we got Haley williams who has released the first part of her upcoming album pedals for armor um the whole album will actually be released in May 8th, but she's decided to split up the release in parts, which I've sort of seen to be a mini trend. I know that Moses Sumney, an art poppy musician, is doing something very similar where their first half of albums coming out, um, actually, I think in February as well, and then their second half will come out in May. And even a similar thing happened with um, Bojack Horseman, the mm-hmm. final season, that the first half of the season came out like late 2019, and then the second half came out just at the tail end of this January. Yeah. Just a quick thought. What do you think of that type of release? I mean, I think it's pretty cool. Um, she's doing these music videos for it, too. I know she's done three of them, um, and they all kind of have this story. So I think that's kind of what she's going for, especially breaking the album up. I think that's going to be um, either, like, parts of the same story or, like, different kinds of stories. But I like how she's using a storytelling aspect for this record. Yeah, I definitely appreciate them trying to do something new, and I could definitely see how they could be connected to, like, a marketing aspect, just, like, extend, like, the era of, like, this material for as long as you can, sort of, Mm -hmm. like, stretch that out. But personally, I feel like when you're only left with half of the stuff, you sort of blue balls a little bit. I feel like, like, for example, like, the BoJack season, I was, it was left on a cliffhanger, but, like, you had to wait, like, it was, like, multiple months before the conclusion. It's just, like... It just felt like it was maybe it's just like that's what's supposed to be just like ooh it's teasing it's like ah but personally I'm cool with like how music is usually released in other media but yeah. I'm not against people trying new things so yeah. if they want to do it go ahead and do it and just like some singles um we're gonna go a bit quick through them Carly Rae Jepsen released a song called Let's Be Friends it's sort of like a Valentine's Day sort of thing for people who aren't into the whole Valentine's Day thing who want to do it solo so if you are that then you should check out that um Christine and the Queens she has released a song called People I've Been Sad mood (laughs) it's the first release since she collaborated with charlie xcx on the song gone amazing song um but if a new album is on the way i'm really excited because this is honestly like a really good track it's sort of it's like this like serene sort of alternative r&b song with like this vocals like very vocoded um it's it's super chill and uh, the lyrics are definitely good though some of them aren't french so you'll either need to pull out a thesaurus or like a french dictionary or just Look it up on, like, Genius. Yeah. <laughs> and then the final song is Sufjan Stevens and his stepfather, Lowell Brams. <laughs> they came up with a song called The Unlimited, though this isn't really um, a Sufjan project in the most traditional sense. It is um, being described as a new age project. Now, he's been doing a lot of these sort of projects. Like, last year, he did sort of like a classical thing for, like, a ballet. He did sort of like the soundtrack for that, which was instrumental. This new one is also instrumental. And 
while I do appreciate this being a sign that Sufan, he's still alive, he's mm-hmm. still making music, I would really appreciate if we could get a full studio album. It has been five yeah. years. I am starving. <laughs> but yeah. yeah it was that, pretty different. Yeah, and it was only like two minutes. It definitely felt like it just like a... Here's just like a little bit of a thing. Didn't feel yeah. like a single in like a single like in all caps sort of sense. Yeah. Just felt like a here's a teaser. So yeah, those are the new releases. And now we have reached the section in the episode where we're reaching our segment that we like to do every once in a while called Your Favorite Record. The first one of this new season, first one of the year. And if y'all didn't know, basically what we do with Your Favorite Record is we bring on our wonderful guest and they get to decide an album that is super close to their heart, one of their favorites of all time. And we just get to talk about it and figure out what that makes it so amazing for them, what makes it one of their favorites. And we just like talk about it. So, our wonderful guest, Brandon, what have you decided for us to listen to? Well, I chose In Rainbows by Radiohead. Now, just as a little bit of a background on this record, it is the seventh studio album from the famed British art rock band Radiohead. It was released in 2007. And interesting about it, um, well, of course, as most Radiohead albums do, they got critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. Though it has received especially more than like some of their other material they released, it's considered. So like I see it sort of just as like a second breath for the band. Like yeah, it's not that the previous records were like bad or anything. Like they're still like really good records. I just feel like this one was definitely like seen as like a new peak, second coming. Yes, yeah, second coming. Yeah. But also another interesting thing was when it was first released, they actually released it. Um, I think they released it, self-released it in a pay what you want sort mm-hmm. of thing where I've seen a lot of people describe it as sort of like revolutionary um, marketing for music as well as just like it sort of changed thing because this was before um, streaming really became just like the the common, the, the standard for yeah. music releasing. It was 2007. Yeah, and like yeah. I'd say even streaming didn't really become like the main thing until like the early to mid 2010s. Yeah, I'd until say, Spotify got pretty big. Yeah, Spotify yeah. and then Apple Music came along. Before that, it was like it was like Pandora, iTunes. Like, yeah, but even iTunes, I was just like buying stuff. Still, you'd still yeah. be buying, not like really like streaming as much. Yeah, but even Pandora, it isn't really used in the same way as like Spotify usually is, where you can actually listen like albums and like make your own playlists. But yeah, that's besides the point thing is in rainbows from its marketing to its sound to its reception it was seen as like a kick in the pants to radiohead fans just like the music world in general because in rainbows i feel like it did a lot of new things a lot of interesting things for the group yes now to start off sort of discussion of the record itself and not just the background of it so was this your first exposure to radiohead this was not um so I mean, if we're going deep, I guess it was Creep. I heard Creep, and I was like, oh, this is a good song. And uh, and, I, and I tried to just go from start to finish through a catalog, and I couldn't get through Pablo Honey. <laughs> and I was like, this album is kind of trash. And then I just went on my way, forgot about Radiohead. And then um, I think, like, junior year in high school, we're all going through stuff, and I was like, I'm just going to look through new music. And then I found Radiohead, and I was like, okay, I'll give them another try. But this time I just went to Kid A, not knowing anything about Kid A, not knowing anything about OK oh Computer, anything. <laughs> and I was a, like... I've had a similar experience where the first Kanye album I ever listened to, it just came out, was Yeezus. Oh my God, and really? then the, <laughs> And then I listened to The Age of Odds by Sufjan Stevens without knowing it was an electronic album. So oh, after man. the first song was done, which is like a 
it's very much a singer songwriter song yeah. and then the if y'all didn't know the age of odds is a very glitchy electronic album then that second song came on and it just blew my mind but it's one of my favorites now so of all yeah. time so so anyway, i was like this continue. is <laughs> i've never heard anything like this before because it, i started off with everything in its right place and i was like this is crazy. What is this? And this I just kept creep. listening. Yeah, this isn't creep. <laughs> I just kept listening. And then I just kind of went back and forth. And I was looking at like what people were saying is the best albums and songs. And I eventually got to In Rainbows. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It just kind of holds a really special place in my heart for that time. Just kind of like helping me channel emotions and... Um, I think one of the things that I will thank Radiohead for is just opening my mind to more music and more sounds. Because if I didn't hear Kid A and if I didn't hear In Rainbows at that time, I'd probably be so behind and still in my, like, I only listen to rock and metal phase, you know? Yeah. I, so I got to thank him for that. I think that's that's Radiohead's a little, that for, like, a lot of people because I can't think of too many other artists who have the success that they have the commercial success that they have the notability that they have but also the experimentation under their belt like throughout yeah. their entire catalog that's what's so crazy about them they're so experimental and so forward thinking in music and yet like everybody knows them and they're so big it's kind of wild but yeah um i guess i could go into my sort of personal thing because i actually had heard this record before we prepared for this episode which is a good thing <laughs> um for me radiohead i love a lot of their records i think that they are a respectable sort of group i've never i never considered radiohead to be one of my favorite bands i'd say i respect them more than anything i, don't know, I have a weird relationship with radiohead where like i love okay computer i love kid a i love like in rainbows like all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. And I don't think they've really made a bad album, just like albums I haven't really been able to get into. Yeah. I personally thought Moonshade Pool was a bit too subtle for me. Okay. <laughs> but I, um, I don't know. I've oh every time I go back to these records, I listen to them, and I'm just like, Oh, these are amazing. These are so good. These are amazing. I love listening to this. But for some reason I don't really return them to them as much as I should or think i would with how much i enjoy them so this did give me a chance to like hop back into in rainbows which i hadn't heard in a while which but it's funny because of all the radiohead records i feel like this one is the most one you can just like hop into mm -hmm. for songs i feel like yeah. that is what sets apart in rainbows from the rest of the radiohead catalog for me personally like i'd say even though like it is still as like detailed as like I want to say as experimental artists, but like it's still very just like boundary pushing for like could we call Radiohead mainstream rock? Even like there are mainstream, but I wouldn't really describe I mean, them as like mainstream sounding. I'd say like in the '90s they were mainstream, yeah, and then they stopped. But they had that um, notoriety and that um, what's the word reputation, yeah, so that people just kind of kept them in the mainstream, even though they weren't making very mainstream music. But yeah, I believe that even though like they're still like boundary pushing on it in rainbows, I feel like they're able to do that in a way that sounds more accessible than ever in a while. Yeah. Like their past two records, Hail to the Chief and Amnesiac, the Hail to the Thief was like super political. I feel like it was especially subtle of a Radiohead album, mm -hmm. um, which is a fun sort of dichotomy. It's one of their most political, but also one of their most like low key. Yeah. And then Amnesiac is sort of it's sort of thought to be like the B sides for Kid A, and it, 
considering how Kid A is like, it's also very much um, pretty experimental. But I feel like in Rainbows, I feel like it does a really good job of just like bringing like a vast array of sounds, but still giving, um, it doesn't feel as heavy or as much as like you need to labor down and listen to it as like some other Radiohead records. Yep. Like the opening track, 15 Step, whenever I hear those just like electronic percussion that just like, it's so cacophonous, but like it's just like so energetic. It's like a hit of adrenaline whenever I listen to it. It's it's yeah. a physical sort of listening experience, which I really appreciate from a Radiohead record. It's a fun listen. Oh yeah. Which I definitely feel like a lot of Radiohead albums do have elements of that, but I feel like In Rainbows really embodies that at its most. Yeah, this album makes you want to dance, especially Fifteen Step, Body Snatchers, but it also has like. These beautiful moments like nude, um, weird fishes, and uh, videotape especially, which I just want to shout out the Bonnaroo 2006 version of videotape because this was before the album came out and they were headlining Bonnaroo and they're like, screw it, let's just play Six and Rainbows songs as a like trial. As a treat. <laughs> yeah, and so they played like 15 Step, Weird Fishes, and then they played Videotape, but it was like a completely different song. It was much more energetic and like, have you also heard the like syncopation thing with that song? Are you song? talking about that Vox video that yeah. came out? Oh, if y'all weren't in the know, um, there's this video that um, Vox did um, on the song Videotape that I would definitely recommend as sort of like the companion piece for this um episode it's just like a really interesting deep dive into that song and just like the thought process of tom york and company when going into that it's the song is actually it seems like and it definitely sort of reads as like a slow just like funeral trod ballad mm -hmm. but there's definitely more to it than like yeah. you might assume just like on cursory listens yeah but yeah and especially nude, which I didn't actually I didn't know this. It got in the top forty of the Hot One Hundred when it was released. Really, nude did. Yeah, and that surprised me because when I listened to this album before I knew that, I found nude to be one of the more just like low down, like depressing sort of songs. Like even like the lyrics, like they're all about just like you won't make it, you won't do it. It's just like a super depressing song, but like in a, like a really good way. It's like a beautiful depression. <laughs> They've had that song since the nineties. They have. Mm -hmm. Oh my god! They gosh. just didn't know how to record it, and there, there were like leaked early recordings of it, and it's a completely different song. But it, it's just crazy that they hold on to these songs for so long. And I feel like, especially with this record, they're just like, "Oh, now's the time! Like now, we actually can make this." Yeah, and that's so cool to me. And they made it. Like that yeah. song, it's just like so minimalist. Like I can't even, like really. There's like minimal instrumentation. Even then, it's like sort of like muted and toned down. Mm -hmm. But it's still so catchy. Like, the melody, vocal melodies, and just, like, the vocal performance from Tom York, it's one of his best I've oh, yeah. ever heard. That and uh, Reckoner, too, which is oh. my personal favorite from the album. Yes. I love the production, just the production of this album in general is fantastic oh, and yeah. unmatched, I think. Like, I think compared that... to other albums of the time, I guess, you know? Yeah, the production on, it's some of the best I've ever heard on a Radiohead album. Like, they're usually, like, very well mixed, very well mastered, very well produced. But I feel like, especially with In Rainbows, like, it's mixed and made in such a way that, like, all the musical details within the songs, like, they aren't immediately shown at you. They aren't just, like, all pushed to the front. But, like, they're arranged in a way that you can just, like, easily... Or just, like, it's very easy... Not easy, but, like, 
it's possible to just like grab all the details that they want you to grab like the drums on weird fishes like they are just like so immaculately yes. performed and just like mixed they have i feel like they sort of have like a jazzy tone to them or just like a yeah yeah like, i get that it is just like I live for those drums, like, on that track. <laughs> I mean, they do... I mean, that's part of their experimentation, too. They, they've they had a lot of jazz um, influences in their music, like on the National Anthem on Kid A. Oh, yeah, that one um, is an insane track. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, um, yeah, I get what you mean. I don't know. And also, I think another cool thing about this record is how you can... The, the playback ability of it, you can just come back to it, like, whenever you want, and it, it doesn't feel like you have to listen to the whole album to really get it. You can yeah. just like, I want to listen to Nude, and then you listen to Nude, and it doesn't feel weird. But you can't really do that with um, like Kid A or Amnesiac. I feel those yeah, are like album. I feel like albums. Kid A is definitely an album experience. Like I don't know if I could just be like, you know what, I'm just in the mood. Like, yeah. uh, what's the ambient piece in the middle of the album? Tree fingers. Tree fingers. Yeah. I don't know if I could just be like, oh man, I just want to bump some tree fingers right now, just like <laughs> yeah. on the bus, it, like all the bus activity, just like drown it out. But like, yeah, still an amazing song. Kid A, mm. still an amazing album, yeah. but in Rainbows, it's just like so much more. It's a refreshing sort of take on what a Radiohead album is really like. Yep. And going back to sort of like the experimentation thing, I they definitely do cover a lot of stuff. Like Fifteen Steps includes like a lot of like the more electronic electronica sort of things they do. Mm-hmm. Body Snatchers, but can we talk about the production on the guitars yes. and the distortion on Body oh, Snatchers? It's so good. The tones. I don't usually think of Radiohead as like a heavy band they do definitely have their moments like electron how do you say that electroneering that's mm-hmm. how you say it, on okay computer and even like i guess you call national anthem heavy but not like in like a rock sort of sense more like it's like a avant jazz sort of yeah. sense and also um <laughs> two plus two equals five that oh. one gets that's a banger yeah but this definitely ranks as some other just like hard as like it's like one of those just like pure rocking tracks but like even just like the distortion just like the fuzz on the guitars mm-hmm. it's not typical of like a rock band when they try to go hard it's just like an enjoyably textured experience yeah and it's still super super catchy and just like infectious and it's so weird because when you pick out when you pick apart the album or the songs individually you're like oh 15 step has electronic influences and then body snatchers is super heavy nude is super soft and beautiful and spacey <laughs> but and like every song is different but it all flows so well, and it's it's really weird how it does that because they're all so different songs. But it just it's got this impeccable flow. I agree with you completely. I feel like the benefit to Radiohead of just like being such an experimental, such like a band willing to go anywhere, it's that like so many sort of styles can be considered under the Radiohead umbrella. Like Electronica, Kid A, like sort of body snatcher sort of thing they've done in the past with like stuff like OK Computer, Nude, that's under the belt. They're just like a group that like you can't really define them. It's just like like art rock, like that term is like it's very vague. Like yeah. you could consider any rock art. So like there is sort of like a sound to what art rock is, but like it's very vague. And that's a good way to describe Rayhead because like there really isn't a way you can describe them as a whole. They're just Radiohead. Yeah. And, and they do it, an especially good job of just, like, proving that on In Rainbows. Because, like, even songs, like, later on into the album, um, House of Cards, I think that was a really lovely song. But I would say it's, like, if Radiohead tried to do, like, a coffee house or, like, acoustic jam, but, like, yeah. throw it into the future. Not like it's, like, um, super, tech, like, electronic or anything, but it's just, like, it's, like, the form but evolved. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I get that. I that song also introduces like the strings, and they end up using a lot more of that, like on a moon shaped pool. Yeah. Um, and then in their like singles, they release in between. I think uh, the King of Limbs and a moon shaped pool, but. Yeah, they they introduce so many things on In Rainbows that they kind of tie into on the King of Limbs, the the later albums, and it's I don't know, this album did a lot for them. Yeah, and I guess I could say that one thing maybe you can't claim In Rainbows did is that I don't think it introduced like a brand new sound for Radiohead because like a lot of the elements in there they had done in the past. Yeah. But I think what it did really well is that it gathered all that together onto one record and perfected it. It streamlined it. Um, and it just made it at it, almost at its exact best that it could be. Yeah. It reminds me of this one record by the group Death Grips. They did the album Bottomless Pit, and they are also another super just like genre eschewing. They just like do whatever, but a lot of it is like yeah. heavy industrial rock, electronics, glitch, mm-hmm. everything. On that record, Bottomless Pit, they didn't really evolved their sound too much from like their past records but they just like took all of the experimentation all of the sounds that they've played with over the years put them onto one record and then just made it as clean as crisp as streamlined as they could yeah it's like if they tried to just like construct a greatest hits album with songs that hadn't been released yet yeah with sounds greatest sounds and then they just like compile it all together yeah like a great like the the best of radiohead yes and that honestly could even just be described as in rainbows as a whole some of the best that radiohead ever had to offer yep all of those tracks are so good even the um have you listened to the second disc of it i haven't oh my god so that okay i'd recommend last flowers because that's like a piano ballad like videotape but it but not really videotapes a little more expansive but this yeah. one is just tom and a piano and then um uh, bangers and mash tom actually plays the drums on that that's a good song i don't know there, there's a whole second disc um i guess they're b-sides but i'm not really sure would it like not do it justice to call them b-sides because i feel like b-sides have sort of like a reputation being like oh they're not as good but you can check them but like yeah yeah they're like a B sides. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but there's songs that came out during that time that they just didn't want to put on the main record. The main record, yeah. But yeah. While we're listening tracks, how about we hop into what are? What would you say if you could just like cut it down to just a few tracks? What are your favorite tracks from In Rainbows? Reckoner, Jigsaw Falling Into Place, Weird Fishes. Those are my top three. Yeah. All right, dope. Oh, gosh. Now I have to think about putting it down to a top three. <laughs> um, I'd say I'd put Nude in the top three. Mm-hmm. I'd put 15 Step. And I think I'll also have to go to Reckoner as well. And that's a good thing that we both have mostly different best tracks. Because yeah. that just, just showed show. that, like... Anybody like you could anybody could pick like any three songs off that one as their best and like they would not be wrong. Yeah, like it's they're like, all so good. <laughs> music's subjective of everything, so I guess they're never wrong. But like for real, like I cannot be mad at anyone picking like a top three of anyone. Like the only yeah. one that could be like what is like the two minute one, but even then that one's just like super chill, super just like enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, it's kind of just like a little interlude to get you ready for. Um, I think it comes before Reckoner. I believe so. Yeah, um, but yeah. 
So yeah, do you have any overall or final thoughts about In Rainbows, Radiohead, well, music? <laughs> as much as I want them to do it again, they they shouldn't just because it's just it's so good and it holds its place in their discography. Um, I would like to see them though, like say they release um, one more album and then the next album after that, they do what they did within Rainbows and just combine all the sounds of the later parts of the discography and make another greatest hits per se. Yeah, I feel like this is a type of record you can't make too many times because like at one point isn't like you're doing something special with it and you're just like treading water. But I definitely feel like this is a very special record. And honestly, I think of all the Radiohead records, I might make this one that people should listen to first as like an introduction. Yes. It's one of the best ones just yeah. to be like introduced to. Cause like, don't do what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'd recommend Kid A as the first one. I wouldn't. <laughs> but again, as we said, in Rainbow, so like gathers all of what Radiohead is about, like musically, sonically, makes it a bit more streamlined, accessible, energetic, catchy, just like. It's such an easy listen, but, like, if you want to, you could just, like, dive in deeper and deeper with, like, repeated listens and get so much out of it. Yeah. Like, I I like to call myself a Radiohead missionary, and <laughs> all the people that I try and push Radiohead onto, they don't like anything but in, in Rainbows. Like, it's, like, the exception to people who can't really seem to get into Radiohead's music, but in Rainbows is just the... Uh, I don't know. The It's it. It's it, yeah. <laughs> Diamond in the rough. That's what I was going for. Yeah, though I personally believe there's more diamonds than rough. Yes. Except Pablo Honey. <laughs> Pablo Honey's a little rough, yeah. <laughs> but Blowout, though, that's a good song. Creep. Creep's Everybody's good. heard Creep's Creep. good. Everybody's heard Creep. Yeah, it's a good song, though. Anyway, so thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Remix. Sorry, I have a bit of a stuffy nose for this one. Uh, you'll have to live with it as I have lived with it. But this has been your host, Jack Gillespie, with my wonderful guest, Brandon Carson. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. You can check out more work from us at Byte, whether it be podcasts, features, reviews, news, whole bunch of stuff at ByteBSU.com. Also, make sure to give us a follow on social media, such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at ByteBSU, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, also named ByteBSU. Remix is a part of Byte, which is led by Editor-in-Chief Jeremy Rogers, Senior Podcast Editor Eli Sokland, and our Associate Editor Kellen Harrison, and is part of the Ball State Student Media. Have a great day, and make sure to keep up for future episodes throughout the year. Um, but for right now, we're signing off. Later, y'all. <laughs>